Yes, faith is the substance, the, the very foundation of everything we hope for as God's children. Uh, we might even say the deeper our faith, the higher our hope. Uh, Paul tells the Corinthian brethren that we walk by faith. He tells the Roman brethren, quoting from Habakkuk chapter 2, that we live as the just. We live by faith. And John encourages us in 1 John that uh, the victory, the very victory that allows us to overcome the world is, is our faith. And so, yes, faith is the very substance, the undergirding, the foundation of our fondest hopes in Christ. And while that's all true, sometimes faith is, is mighty hard to come by. Uh, one of the strange, uh, uncomfortable ironies of life is, is that when we need faith the most, we sometimes have the hardest time getting our hands on it. Uh, when life is throwing us difficulties, when things aren't going right, when uh, we can't find any sense to a senseless world, when we need faith the most, uh, we sometimes find ourselves grasping and searching for that which we ought to have at our disposal. And at that time, when we so long for, need for, but lack the faith we should have, Enter Satan into the picture, into our minds, encouraging us, tempting us by saying, in effect, uh, you can believe, but believe in yourself. Trust your own heart. Or listen to what your friends are saying. Believe what most people believe. Most people couldn't possibly be wrong. Or Listen to the experts. They know more than you do. Listen to them. They can't possibly have it wrong. You can believe, but just make sure you don't believe in, in God. And I need to remind all of us that the substance of our hope comes not from a faith in ourselves, not from a faith in our friends or most people, certainly not from the experts or even the government, our faith as the substance of all our hope comes from the faith we have in God. And it's not enough just to say that. We have to be able to back it up. In 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter urges those reading his epistle, his letter, that they might be able to make an answer for the hope they have within them with the right attitude. Still, they must make an answer, give an apology, give a reason for their hope. So what reason is there to have faith in God? And for just a few moments this morning, I'd like to give you three reasons why your hope is well-founded in God. The first, because of who God is and his power. 
The second, because of what God has said in his veracity. And number three, because of what God has provided, especially in Jesus Christ, his son. Uh, we can trust God completely. Now, this first point, uh, most of the world these days seems to mock at the very idea of our suggesting, much less expecting others to join with us in believing that God even exists. And yet he does. Uh, we're made to feel somewhat lesser than, non-intellectual, just conspiracy theorists, almost flat earthers, to believe that there is a God behind everything we see and know and experience. And yet, as Daniel said in the second chapter of the book bearing his name, there is a God in heaven. And that's not just conjecture, that's not just wish, it's not just some idle dream, it's, it's a fact. He does exist, and the evidence bears it out. The writer of Hebrews says simply, every house is builded by some man. But he that built all things is God. Now he begins with something so simple, no one would argue the case. Uh, either you live in a house, you have a house, you've been in a house, you know what houses are. And one thing houses have in common, they had a beginning. And something else they all have in common, they had people behind their design. And they had people behind their construction. There were forces behind those houses coming into existence. Not a house you know, not a house you've ever heard of. Not a house you can imagine, just out of nothing, pops into existence. Wouldn't that be nice? Mortgage-free. Just pops into existence. Well, what a beautiful living room. How'd that come to be? Well, I was just walking alongside this field yesterday. I looked over there, and all of a sudden, up popped a house. And inside the house, up popped this living room. And what a wonderful fireplace, as you see. Nobody's going to believe that because every house is builded by some man. Now let me tell you about something bigger than the house that you live in. It's the universe you live in. We are one planet, planet Earth, of eight, nine, who knows these days. In our solar system, planets revolve around our star. We call it the sun, that is one of about 400 billion other stars in our galaxy, which is our locality, uh, a galaxy among perhaps as many as two or three trillion other galaxies, which gives us a number of stars in the realm of somewhere between the middle sextillions to the upper part of the septillions. You've got millions, billions, trillions, quadrillions, quintillions, sextillions, steptillions. There you might have it. And you may have heard before that uh, someone will tell you, well, we have about as many stars in the sky as there are sands uh, on the seashore. Not even close. 
You're in the quintillions when it comes to grains of sand on the earth. By a magnitude of perhaps a hundred to a thousand are the number of stars more than the number of grains of sand on the earth. But if you bring it down to the same number, which is a strange and awkward thing to do, but let's do that for understanding purposes, you bring the numbers the same, then are you that grain of sand? Well, no, you're... Your planet is. No, not your planet. Your solar system is. That grain of sand is your sun. And around that grain of sand are the planets, one of which is yours. And on that planet, among billions of other people, there you are. And by the way, there's your house. What I'm saying is, this universe is bigger than we've ever imagined. And every time we run the figures again, seeing more, understanding more, realizing more, the numbers get larger and larger and larger. And if we say this house couldn't just pop into existence, what about the universe at large? The stars are forever singing as they shine. The hand that made us is divine. Or as the psalmist said in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day and a day utters speech. Night and a night shows knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out throughout all the earth. What the psalmist is saying is you can't miss it. If you see it, absorb it, understand it, you can't miss it. Every house is built by some man. He that built all things is God. But if it's not enough just to look up, look down. Look down past what you see to the molecules you can't see, to the atoms you really can't see. And within those atoms, you've got the, uh, you've got the nucleus and the protons and the electrons and the neutrons you've got the quarks in there and you know when you get down there just like the passage we read a moment ago the deeper you dig the farther you reach down the less there is that is even there in the real world did you realize now I'm about to say something you're not going to believe and so later on look it up and you can come back and say you know what you're right but what I'm about to say, you're not going to believe. When you get down to the internal aspects of a single atom, do you know how much of that space is, is empty space? Nothing there? 99 Six. That's the percentage of empty space inside the atom. All those years ago, the writer of Hebrews says he made those things we can see out of those things which are invisible, those things which do not appear. How did he know that? And within the quantum realm, there is such strangeness, such intricacy, such unusual behavior, such 
you're led to believe, how did this happen accidentally, by happenstance, on its own? Again, every house is built by some man. And if you don't believe by looking up or looking down, look in the mirror. Just consider the, the intricacy, the majesty of your own eyes and how they work, or your brain and how it works. You know, we're talking all these days about AI and what it may have ahead of it and how we're trying to see if it's ever going to become self-aware as if it possibly could. But you know what? When we are trying our best with all the technology we have to make what we make aware of itself, we miss the fact that we are self-aware. Weren't we ourselves made? Or did we just pop into existence and pop into this awareness? No, there is a God in heaven, and he's all-powerful. The God of the universe writ large, the God of the microverse of the quantum realm, the God of your own body and biology, there is a God in heaven who, number two, has given us a message, his word which reveals itself as his by history. It's still the world's bestseller. It's perfection. No contradictions there. People try to find them, try to invent them. They're not there. Every time the archaeologists dig, they prove the Bible. They don't disprove it. Every time we find a scientific realization... The Bible proves it. It doesn't disprove it. This word of God which tells us of what God expects of us, what God in heaven has provided for us, all of this word proves to us not just that God exists, but that he cares enough about us to have spoken to us. He spoke in time past, yes, but now he speaks to us by his son as the book of Hebrews begins reminding us he cares for us. He doesn't leave us alone. He's, he's spoken to us. We have his word. You want to know what the God of the universe is thinking? Read his book. You want to know the instruction manual for his universe? Read his book. You want to know what God expects of you? Spend some time in his book. I trust God because he is as a powerful God and he's spoken to me. And yes, the Bible is referred to as the Word of God. Words verbatim or to that effect spoken over 2,500 times throughout both Testaments. And as God's Word, we find words of truth. As the psalmist said in Psalm 119, Thy Word is true from the beginning. Or as some translations say, from first to last. You can trust God who cannot lie with his word which is altogether truthful. But then I believe in God number three because he's a God who has shown he cares about me. He's a God of love. It's seen in more than just his word which he gave but the word of his own son which he delivered. 
who lived among us, who suffered as we suffer, who was tempted as we're tempted, and died for our sins. A few moments ago, we reflected as a congregation upon the cross and all that means. And we were reminded of just how much God loves us. His only son was given to die, not just for us, but at our hands. The just for the unjust. He died for you, he died for me, and he cares for you, and he cares for me. And that tells me, regardless what I'm going through, what my problems are, how worried and anxious I may become, I must settle myself and remind myself that I'm not in this thing alone. The God who made everything cares about me. The God who gave me his word cares about me. The God who gave his son to die for me still cares about me. As Peter will say in 1 Peter chapter 5, cast all your cares upon him, upon God, for he cares for you. Or as Jesus himself said in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, my friend, this morning I hope your faith is firmly in the God of heaven. If so, are you a Christian? If not, why? Why not? Why not become one? Why not obey the gospel, come into the body of Christ, and enjoy all the wonderful spiritual blessings Christ has to offer? Or as a Christian, you may have walked away and need to come back. What better time to do that? But if you need to come, come now, as together we stand and sing.